Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. It's our first episode of 2023, and we have a very special guest. Blackhawks defenseman Connor Murphy joins the show. We also have a fabulous round of sellies and chirps and a little bit of college football bowl talk that you won't want to miss. Another stacked show to kick off the new year. It's the Blackhawks Insider Podcast presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. Happy New Year, Blackhawks Nation. Welcome to the latest episode of the Blackhawks Insider Podcast. I'm Chris Fosters, joined by my two esteemed co-hosts, Kaylee Chelios and Colby Cohen. Before we get started today, I want to remind all of our listeners that you can win an autographed Patrick Kane reverse retro jersey, courtesy of ChevyDriveChicago.com. Just visit ChevyDrivesChicago.com to enter, drive what Kane and Taves drive, and you could be driving home with a Patrick Kane autographed <laughs> reverse retro jersey. You see what I did there? I am I'm in mid-season form to start 2023, <laughs> Kaylee and Colby. Uh, how were your New Year's Eve slash New Year's Day? Actually, I, I know what Colby did. He was in bed, at, like sound asleep apparently by 7 p.m. But Kaylee, what did you do on New Year's Eve? It was actually the first time in a long time I'd been home. Covering hockey, you're always working New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, the outdoor game. So uh, I took full advantage of my couch, opened some wine, put on Harry Potter, and called it a night. <laughs> Very exciting. Harry Potter is never not on TV. I mean, <laughs> you can basically always rely on a, on a Harry Potter being on. I, I have, I'm with you, Kaylee, on that one. I feel like I watch the, the, the halfway point of Harry Potter at least once every other week. But thank you for... <laughs> For telling everybody about my lame New Year's Eve, Chris, I, I had a couple of very early flights, a couple 5 a.m. flights on Friday and then Saturday morning to get back for uh, our game at noon that day. So I honestly think I put my phone on Do Not Disturb by like 7.30 or something like that. We had a little early dinner and by like nine, you know, by eight o'clock I was, I was out and slept till like 10 AM the next morning. I think I, I needed that. So it was definitely the lower key new year's Eve that, that I've also had in a while. Cause like Kaylee, lots of winter classics, um, I've got to be a part of as a broadcaster and usually traveling and working around those days. Well, I had a wild night in my <laughs> living room watching college football. What did you order in? It, uh, you know what? I didn't even order in. I just had leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> what a treat for New Year's. Hey, yeah. Chris helped himself to an extra meal off the charter, and he just fed that to himself for <laughs> a dinner. Crustless PB and J. The amount yeah, of just, people uh, just <laughs> grabbing and pocketing PB and Js off the plane is a wild sight. <laughs> Chris needs like a sticky glove when he's getting off, so he can just stick his hand in the middle of the thing, and everything will just like a claw stay, and then just right in the, the bag. I, I took am... a nice Kit Kat. Yeah, I, I I would put my record for number of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches consumed off the team plane up against anybody else. I think I'm uh, far and away. The, I know the you've encouraged me. You're like, hey, you got to bring these home to your kids, and they are really pretty. There's no crust. It's like the perfect proportion of peanut butter and jelly. So I'm thinking about it. It's the capital yes. grill of peanut butter sandwiches. <laughs> It Thank is. you to the Wurtz We've got to find family. out who makes them. <laughs> they always take care of us, the Wurtzes. You cannot, I mean, they really do. I mean, that's. 
Well, listen, I figured that I would start this episode of the podcast with a little bit of a fun trivia quiz for Kaylee and Colby. Seeing as I'm a huge college football fan, there are some really exorbitant bowl game names out there. And, and Kaylee and Colby, you know, are, are locked into to other things. Uh, Colby is, is a married man and dog dad, soon to be girl dad. And Kaylee's got two little ones. So I've got all this free time to watch uh, other sports in addition to hockey. So I figured I'd take advantage of that and ask Kaylee and Colby to identify a real bowl game name or a fake one. So I've got five rounds for you two to debate whether this, uh, I'm going to give you two names. One is going to be a real bowl game name. The other is going to be a fake one. I want you to tell me which one is real, which one is fake. We will have our producer, Trevor Bray, tabulating the results. And uh, we will announce a winner on this episode of the podcast as well. I hope this is what you signed up for, everybody. Um, all right, so let's get started. Oh, jeez. All right, uh, let's do it. Okay, first <laughs> round. The potato bowl or the shake weight bowl? Which is real, which is fake? <laughs> Dang, we are going to go over. I'm going to say the, <laughs> the potatoes <laughs> fake. Okay. <sighs> Speechless. <laughs> because at least shake weight is a real thing. Like a potato, there wouldn't Potatoes be a sponsor. I know, but it's not like a, a company name that they would be like looking to sponsor. But I could <laughs> see there being a potato bowl in like Iowa or something. So are we saying these are official names, Chris? Or are these na- like this is the official bowl name, correct? Because you Because you asked, I can elaborate and say... Is it is either the famous Idaho potato bowl or the shake weight bowl? Okay, I'm going potato bowl. <laughs> As real or fake? Real. Real. Okay, so you both say the potato bowl is real. And you are correct. The potato bowl <laughs> is the real bowl. Eastern Michigan <laughs> defeated San Jose State in the potato bowl this year. So congratulations. You're off to a great start. All right, let's go round two. Which one's real? Which one's fake? The Jake from State Farm Bowl or the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl? Jeez, you did so good, Chris. (laughs) I can't believe either of those would be real, but I'm going to go Jake from State Farm Bowl is real and the other one is not real. (laughs) I'm, I'm riding with CC. Jake from State Farm Bowl real. I don't even remember what the other one is already, so (laughs) not that one. Upset alert. The Jimmy Kimmel Bowl actually took place this year. Fresno State defeated Washington State in the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. So So does that mean like his show sponsored a bowl? Presumably, yes. We got to get a bowl. Seems like we're the only people without a bowl. I agree. Let's talk to uh, Jimmy Kimmel. The Blackhawks Insider Podcast Bowl. I kind of like the uh, <laughs> like the sound of that. Okay, next round. You guys are both one and one. Which one's real? Which one's fake? The Cheez-It Bowl or the Chipotle Burrito Bowl? Dang. Cheez-Its came uh, first, but <laughs> I think. I'm going to say the Chipotle Bowl has to be real. They're too good. 
I actually am going to go cheese it bowl here. And I think the other one, the cheese it bowl is real. The other bowl is not real. Chipotle's got to have a bowl. The cheese it bowl is the real bowl. So oh, congratulations no. to Colby Cohen. Florida State <laughs> defeated Oklahoma in the cheese it bowl this year. Although I think Chipotle burrito bowl would be almost a natural bowl. Yeah, it's a fit. I think Kaylee, that's what I was thinking. Kaylee, I saw, Kaylee, I saw on Twitter the cheese it bowl thing because they had a picture of a of like a bedroom and it was like for the cheese it bowl and i had a, a teammate in college that was like the most cheese the, he's the only person i've ever met that truly loves cheese it's and i saw it on twitter and i sent it to him and i was like you should give your son this themed bedroom so i, I had a little bit of a, a little bit of cheating help on that one uh, well good one on you then did not think that was real <laughs> props for admitting that all right, round four of five. You guys are both doing great, all things considered. Which one's real, which one's fake? The Fruit Loops Moon Bowl or the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl? Dang. The tiger one's real. <laughs> right? Tony the Tiger is real. I, I, I'm with Kaylee. I think Sun Bowl is the real one. You are correct. The yes. Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl is the real bowl. Pittsburgh defeated UCLA in the Sun Bowl this year. All right, you guys are doing great. Last one now. Which one's real? Which one's fake? The Salad Bowl or the Off Insect Repellent Bowl? Dang. Which one's real? Which one's fake? I said dang like every time. Like it's mind-blowing. Um, tried to make these gonna... tough. You did. I'm going to say the insect repellent one is real. It's probably not, but I'm going to say it's real. <laughs> I'm going to go with the salad bowl. <laughs> well, this one is a bit of a trick question. The salad bowl is not a current bowl, but it was the name of a college football game from 1948 to 1955. So a little bit of a trick question there. But oh. all things considered, you guys did a great job. Um, no surprise, I'm, I'm you beat very, us. <laughs> very impressed, uh, very proud of both of you for uh, handling the best that we could uh, try and fool you with, with college football bowl game names. Thank you for indulging me. You both are great. You're both winners in my book, Hall of Famers in my book. Thank you, Chris. Great questions. That was probably the best we've ever fared in trivia, Kaylee. I feel like you and I are normally striking out left and right, but I feel like we did okay today. Yeah, I think we are way more confident as a team. We were together. Well, let's uh, let's transition to a little bit of, of puck, shall we? A little bit of hockey. Uh, the World Junior Tournament is going on right now. The Blackhawks have some prospects on a couple different World Junior rosters. None on the United States team, but the United States is playing well. They've advanced out of the prelims and into the elimination rounds, but... Colby, uh, you played in this tournament, the World Junior Tournament. Uh, this year it's in New Brunswick, Canada. Um, what are your thoughts on the, on the tournament so far? Any updates for us, especially as far as Blackhawks prospects go? Well, first of all, I'm wearing my USA sweatshirt today, supporting USA, even though we don't have any prospects playing. They're beating Germany in the quarterfinals right now, up a couple of goals, actually, as we're recording this episode. But, you know, I, I've had a lot more focus on Canada this year because of all the Blackhawks prospects. And, and I think for Blackhawks fans, something that's important to 
um, you know, know about this tournament is it, it's it's not a young players tournament other than maybe for Connor Bedard, but he's really the exception to any rule in this sport. And usually you have two opportunities to make the world junior team when you're 18 years old and then again when you're 19 years old. So, you know, when you look at Ethan Del Mastro, he's a second-year world junior player. He played in the last world juniors. This year he's wearing an assistant captain. You know, he's been getting a lot of top pair minutes because he's a little bit older and he's a little bit more experienced. Um, and I think for uh, Kevin Korchinski in particular, who – um, you know, he, he hasn't been given a lot of power play time in this World Juniors. He, he's played on the second and the third pair. I think you have to kind of look at it as a development process, you know, and, and the fact that he made the team uh, as an 18-year-old and he turned around and is just getting better throughout the tournament, scored his first goal in their last game. He's had a couple of assists, but I would definitely expect to see next year's tournament, Kevin Korchinski playing in a bigger, more starring role. Uh, Colton Dock, he got injured, hurt his shoulder, no timetable for a return, a couple of weeks. But uh, another player that we haven't talked a lot about is Victor Sternberg. He's the captain for Team Sweden. He's a fourth-round pick for the Blackhawks. Had the game-winning goal shorthanded. Uh, uh, Team Sweden defeated Finland today. They came back. They were down one nothing with five minutes uh, Leo Carlson, a guy who could very well end up in a Blackhawks jersey. Uh, he's projected to go probably in the top three or four in the next draft. He tied the game late, and then our guy Sternberg scores the game winner with about a minute and a half left, shorthanded, like I mentioned. So, you know, overall, the best on best uh, amateur players in the world, you know, a couple of NHLers sprinkled in there. So seeing our prospects play in this tournament, it's invaluable experience. Um, it, it, it's great uh, for their development, playing on a big stage in front of sold-out buildings, national TV, a lot of pressure. I know Blackhawks have had a huge conglomerate of scouts and development people watching the World Juniors. I know Kyle Davidson has been juggling um, becoming a dad for the first time and while also scouting Canada. You know, him and I were going back and forth during the Canada game the other day, and, and his, his newborn daughter, Willa, has been, you know, kind of laying with him, watching all these games with him. And I said, by the time she's about three years old, she's going to be, you know, qualified to be an NHL scout. So, <laughs> you know, ultimately, it, it's been a really positive experience for Blackhawks prospects in the World Juniors. And don't, don't discount how important this is for, for these guys in, in their development um, and I think next year, Frank Nazar, an American, will have an opportunity to play in the World Juniors. You know, we don't have any Americans right now. Um, so, you know, ultimately, it's going to be a really exciting finish. And, and I think fans out there should be really pleased with the development and the, the way that these guys are all kind of slowly climbing up this, this hill of development. That's a great well, ten- recap. <laughs> Fabulous. I was going to say, as somebody who's been there yourself too, Colby, you know what it's like to play on the big stage internationally at such a young age. And I think I'd be remiss if we didn't quick mention Bedard. And for Blackhawks fans, being in the teams currently in last place, I think you look at the hope and nobody more exciting to watch right now as far as young players coming up and potentially a franchise-changing player than Connor Bedard and, and what he may be able to bring maybe one day to the Blackhawks, Chris and Colby. I hope so, Kaylee, because this is the first I've seen him play consistently. I've only ever really seen highlights of Connor Bedard and his ability with the puck. I think it's been going all over the internet. 
Instagram, Twitter, his release, his off-ice habits. But, you know, just seeing him dominate this tournament as an underage player has been, un, you know, has been incredible. And I said this on the show the other night, and I will say it again. He has been the best player, hands down, in the tournament. Now, I want to see him continue that as the games get more and more meaningful into the elimination. And, and any GM or potential team would also want to see that because when the game matters most is when you want to see these, these players really step up and, and go to another level. And everything I've seen of Connor Bedard makes me think that he will do that. Um, but I am definitely watching him very closely. And, you know, his first touch when he gets the puck in traffic it is somewhere between Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby. I mean, I, I, honestly, you, you see bits and pieces of both of these two players in Connor Bedard. So if we hear that, that lot draft lottery this summer and, and those ping pong balls fall the way we're hoping, um, it'll be really exciting. But Adam Fantilli is another player to be really excited about. Leo Carlson on Sweden, another player to be. I mean, you really can't go wrong in the top three or four this year. I think you're going to get a, a franchise type of player. But the hope is obviously for Bedard. This event in Canada carries the importance of the NCAA tournament in, in college basketball does in the United States. It is a, it is a huge deal. And uh, 10 years ago, actually, the United States won the World Junior Championships. And there were three current Chicago Blackhawks on that team. All defensemen, Seth Jones, Jake McCabe, who was actually the captain of that 2013 USA World Junior team, and Connor Murphy. Connor Murphy is our guest on this episode of the Blackhawks Insider Podcast. We talked to him about not just that experience at the World Junior Championships, but some big milestones that he has coming up in his life in 2023. We'll get to that interview now. Connor Murphy, Blackhawks defenseman, joins the Blackhawks Insider Podcast for our first episode of 2023. Connor, thanks so much for doing this. Happy New Year. Uh, let's get a little bit reflective, if we can, before we dive into the nitty-gritty. Looking back on, on 2022, what was one highlight of last year for you, either personally or professionally? And what's one thing that you're looking forward to in 2023? Yeah, we're getting deep right off the bat. That's uh, <laughs> a good question. Uh, my, uh, a highlight for me, I got engaged a month ago, a month and a half ago. So that counts as a big, uh, big moment. And then uh, I could go right off that and say the wedding this year coming up. So <laughs> that's, I guess that's kind of cheating using two of the same... Uh, same topics there, but it was a big one. Well, that's very diplomatic of you to, to say, <laughs> first and foremost. Uh, and I know that Kaylee Chelios has been chomping at the bit to get all the details about your engagement and your <laughs> wedding plans. So that was big. <laughs> Yeah, I do love weddings, Chris, and we had a lot of engagements this year that were pretty special. It was fun to meet Chris's fiance um, this year, Liz, and Connor. You both had very similar backdrops. Chris had the Chicago skyline in the back. You and Christina look to have it too. Can you give us the details on leading up to the engagement, your nerves? Yeah, execution? I didn't want to be too cheesy. I thought it'd be a little too cheesy if I went to, like, I wanted the city to be involved a little bit, I think, the background, but didn't want it to be, like, too set up where she had too much of an idea. So it went well, though. Um, she didn't know. The only thing she knew was I had a photographer um, 
was a way I knew her to get her dressed up or get her nails done or something to have a photographer <laughs> tell her a photographer wanted to take pictures of us. And then the only reason she knew that something was up is because I was okay. And I wasn't putting up a fight about it. Cause usually anytime <laughs> I like we have like those couples pictures and stuff, I'm going to be complaining a lot. And she said, I was like, okay with getting like a matching outfit and stuff. And that is usually, that is definitely something I'm not on board for usually. So I probably gave that away a little bit, but it went pretty smooth. Well, Murph, I totally blew that one because I got in trouble for not giving my wife a heads up and let her get her mm. nails done before. Mm. So I, to this day, uh, will not ever hear the end of that. So I'll, I'll commend you on thinking ahead like that and, and getting her all set up. But when I see someone's getting married and I see someone who loves their dog and who posts their dog as much as you do, my first question and thought is, is the dog going to be a part of the wedding? I mean, is he going to walk down the aisle, ring bear? Yeah. Like, have you put any thought into that? I mean, that's where my, my mind goes right off the hop. It's funny you say that because we've looked at venues and I'm looking at like the details. Of, I mean, cost is always a worry, but looking <laughs> at a lot of the, a lot of like this, the look of it and aesthetic. And when they ask us if we have questions, Christina's only question is, is your policy on dogs? And then she brings up when his tux is going to be ready. So uh, that we'll see if that's possible. But she wants him to be ring. He's he's psycho still. He's almost two uh, years old, and he's still just like energy. And I can't trust him. But who knows? He, she wants him involved, so I'm sure we'll fi- figure it out. We did that with ours actually. My dog Billy had a little cocktail called the Billy oh. at our wedding. What would be wow. your your cocktail? Notice how Kaylee just toys. happened to have. That. I know, wow. like, okay, right? Like, she pulls that out of her pocket. Was, yeah, was he in an outfit there? <laughs> no, unfortunately, we didn't dress him up for it. He was too rogue uh, as well. But if uh, you could make a cocktail for your dog, what do you think you and Christina would pick? Mm, that's a great question. <laughs> I've been on tequila kick, so something, something. I mean, just like a spicy margarita or something. Oh, well, you like said that. he's a little yeah. psycho still. He's I would have thought maybe red, spicy. red Bull, Red Bull vodka or something like yeah. that. <laughs> something wild, a Jaeger bomb or something like something, <laughs> something crazy. So, uh, just to clarify, so your dog is going to be wearing a, a tuxedo at your wedding. That's what that's what my girlfriend or fiance wants. So okay, oh, I don't catch. make the decisions. It's Chris, so. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, I'm in the same boat there. I'm learning that uh, very, very quickly that uh, the decision making is is out of my hands as well. Um, Are you you, any idea? Have you picked a destination? Are you going to get married in Chicago? uh, Chicago? Yeah. Yeah, it's just great. I mean, it's home. It's turned into home for both of us. She's from here and um, it's close to Columbus where I'm from. And even I have a lot of family in Canada, too. So if people want to fly and stuff, it's easy to an easy city to come into and something everyone wants to see who hasn't been here. So I think it'll be a lot of fun to work out that way. Well, you mentioned that Chicago is home for you and uh, let's pivot into some, and this I'm I'm going off script here. So bear with me a little bit of Blackhawks trivia. And uh, Connor, my question is after Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, do you know who has played the most games in Blackhawks uniform on the current roster? Is it me? Is it? It is. You got it. You are good, man. You that's are. A tough, that's a tough trivia question. Connor, you don't strike me as a guy who's who's reading into stats too often. So I'm not yeah, shocked not that really, you didn't know. Yeah, no, that's not really. I don't know if that's really one to be. I don't know. It's it's great. Uh, it's just yeah. It's uh, it's just. I don't think you should put me in that category. Those <laughs> talk about three guys on the team longest. You should leave me out of their names. I think. 
Well, that's very very modest of you to say, uh, but still, this is your fifth year in Chicago, and, and you mentioned that this city feels like home now. You know, when, when you originally joined the organization, did you envision getting as involved in the community here as you are making Chicago your off-season home in part? I think it just it turns into that over the years. Uh, maybe at first you're just trying to get comfortable and trying to get your, your grasp on the city and on all the players and, and organization. And then over time with anyone, you grow in your comfort and confidence with uh, – with your surroundings and it, it naturally anything's going to become home, I think over time. And, um, Chicago is an easy city to fall in love with. And, uh, the organization is historic as well. Um, it's something that everyone wants to have a chance to play for, uh, uh original six team and, um, to be able to do that and be here, um, for extended amount of time so far has been awesome and been fortunate and really just grateful to, to be here with, the, we've had a lot of turnover over the years and, um, just lucky to be here every day and, and never know. Uh, it's the thing with the NHL is you never know when your last day is going to be or when you're going to be wanted and for how long. So you just try to make the most of it and just, like I said, grateful for every year you have to, to keep building. And Connor, I know you've been in the league for a long time, but now you're with this rebuild, you're getting a lot of young defensemen you're partnered with and Isaac Phillips, you know, Ian Mitchell's in there. Uh, what's it like just having to be that veteran presence, bring that calming kind of positive attitude every single day and come to work just given being in the rebuild and knowing that you know playoffs and that type of success might be a couple years away or so yeah it's fun it's fun to play with uh really any deep pairing you kind of have a different uh a different connection whether it was uh tenority tenure who was playing with uh the start of the year a guy that were like similar age and know each other for a long time and have similar goals and um, and level of play and just uh, style to, to build off each other. Um, so you have that connection, and then you get with younger guys where it gives you a lot of excitement for um, for their energy and what they bring and enthusiasm to to accomplish getting games in the NHL and building their game and confidence, and you feel that excitement and energy with them. So um, you're definitely, you definitely feed off of that. Um, and it, it's, it's definitely challenging for each guy uh, when you're losing – um, to really stick to your process and, and you naturally start to kind of question things that are going on, how you're playing or decisions you're making or what you can do and wanting to change things up or wanting to do more. Um, so it's a challenge for each, each guy. And um, I think we have a good staff coaches that have been, been helping us with that on, on uh, staying the course and, and really seeing the positives and trying to bounce back every day and not let, uh, your emotions get down uh, as you get in these slumps um, because it can only lead to bad things and only us us coming together is going to bring it out of it. So you kind of got to bring some of those cliche uh, characteristics into play with the work ethic and character to to get through it. Well, I think that's a, a good segue. You mentioned Jared Tenorti and we talked about some of the younger players that are kind of running through this, you know, rebuild in Chicago. So I, I kind of want to go backwards with you a little bit, Murph, and, and you know, the World Junior Championships is going on right now. Uh, that's a tournament that, that you had a, a lot of success at, you know, winning a gold medal. I know Jared Tenorti and you were, were probably had some overlap, maybe even at the national development team. I, I guess I'm, I'm not positive on that when you talk about kind of knowing them and being in the same age group. But uh, with the World Juniors happening, the Hawks have a bunch of guys playing. Team USA is going to play later today, um, you know, in the quarterfinal game. What do you remember from the, the World 
junior championships and, and wearing that U.S. sweater, putting that gold medal around your neck. I mean, what an unbelievable experience that must have been to, to be a part of. Yeah, it was really, it was special guy. So Tinner's in 92, birth year, I'm 93. So we were a year apart, but saw each other at that NTDP program in Ann Arbor um, for a couple of years. And then Jake McCabe and I were on the same age and same team. And then Seth Jones was on a year younger than us. And he was called up to our team through that program. So it made it feel really special for us, I think, because you come through it from a young age um, and kind of that like, just riding that high of wearing the USA jersey for a couple of years at 16 years old and playing those levels of world championships and then and then turning into U20 where it felt like the biggest thing in the world. Like for us, it felt like the Stanley Cup because you watch as a kid and uh, at that point you haven't really reached pro levels to know if you're going to make it, but you think that that's the highest point you've you've gotten to play at with the following and the fans and the atmosphere around it. So it was really special to be able to do that. And then at the time, we didn't realize we had as good of a team as we did. Uh, it was a lockout year the year we went in Ufa, Russia. And uh, Canada looked like they had a loaded team because guys that were supposed to play in the NHL because of the lockout were going to be able to play World Junior. So we didn't think we were – we thought we were almost underdogs. And then looking back now, we had a lot of great players. Um, speaking of those defensemen um, that were on there and then some of the forwards and John Gibson's a goalie, uh, Johnny Gaudreau is forward with – guys like Trocek and JT Miller and um, a lot of guys in the NHL now. So we were lucky to have a great team. And uh, that experience is, is really cool. Um, just watching it, like you mentioned, the hype around it and, and to be at that young age and feel like everything is riding on those games and that tournament when really looking back on it isn't, but it just feels like uh, such an amazing accomplishment to just make that tournament and be able to uh, put, put the Jersey on, like you said, every night. I was playing in Russia. <laughs> yeah, not not good. <laughs> Russia's great. Like I realized later, uh, like playing in been in world championships in St. Petersburg and Moscow, and they're beautiful cities and great. And Ufa was the sun didn't come up till like one o'clock <laughs> in the afternoon, and it was and it set at like two in the afternoon. Like it was like oh. super dark and just yeah, it was just freezing the food at our hotel. We I had, was like, just gonna meat, ask had, like, you about meatballs. the food. <laughs> yeah, the breakfast was like meatballs and rice, and then oh. like, everyone was getting sick. Soup. Always we soup, just, right? Yeah, we brought our own peanut butter. So we were just having bread and <laughs> peanut butter every day. And so that was a grind. Um, and then the time change and stuff too. Like, I don't know if many people have been watching it here. Uh, so it wasn't the same as, as these guys have it in North America, I think, when there's more media coverage and, and the time zone um, being easier. But to, so to win it was amazing. But the some of the grind of it was tough for a few weeks over there. Well, at least you came back with a gold medal. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you, too, about your dad, obviously, like what a cool experience it is playing in the World Juniors. But your dad's been able to be there with you 100 percent of the way. He's a coach mm -hmm. in the NHL. Um, what's that dynamic like? I know, like watching my dad try to coach my brother, sometimes it goes one of two ways where they're like mm -hmm. back off or they're very receptive to it. But for you, I mean, how has that been having him to lean on and, and talk to and kind of study your game with you through your career? Yeah, it's been great. I liked the uh, the hand signals videos you you and your dad did because that was similar. <laughs> did you to have me. them? And you with, with Max, you had yeah. I think everyone's probably got that, but they're similar. And he was busy, um, obviously in season, so he wasn't able to make it. It was more. It was a lot of my mom putting in work, driving us around, and going to all the games. And if he had an off day, he was able to come out and to a practice or game. So that was really cool. And I think just the little little things. Looking back now, of being able to go in the rink and 
and sit in the coach's room or when he played to be around the locker room a little bit and meet players and kind of just see that level. And, um, and as you get older, when you're like learning a bit more about the game and my dad's being assistant coach, having to watch video all day and he's bringing me over to the table and trying to show me a few things, um, that he knows I'm not doing that, that I, I need to, to kind of continue to progress. So it was, it was, I think that was really valuable looking back on it now. And then, um, him just, yeah, all my family has been super supportive and, uh, it's been, it's been surreal. A lot of my career going on for the ice and seeing him on the other side and kind of those encounters, um, like us playing at home here and them beating us up pretty bad in our home ice through the Rangers and then having to just saying hi to him after the game. And it's like a weird moment where you're kind of caught up and being mad about losing and, and your dad was the reason almost, <laughs> but, uh, so it's, it's, it's fine. And it, uh, yeah, it's, it's been pretty cool so far. Well, the game always speaks so highly of coaches' kids. You know, there's there's sort of a, a positive stigma around them because most of the guys who come from the coaches have great habits, and they're usually captains or assistant captains. And, and um, you know, they, they just do things, you know, the right way because they've been around it. Can you think back to when you were young – pre-Twitter, pre-social media, where you were sitting in the room, in the coach's room, and maybe you heard your dad or one of the other head, you know, head coaches talk about another player, um, you know, a Hall of Famer, maybe a legend, or you heard about a trade that was happening, maybe. Was there ever a moment where you were privy to something that you were like, wow, this is, this is legit? <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I think, like, as I got a little older like sitting in the coach's room and like Ken Hitchcock coached in Columbus and names that I would like recognize. And um, I mean, I don't know if I know like scoops that would happen before. I remember in Columbus, they were struggling for years and they trade for Sergei Fedorov. And that was like the biggest deal ever. And he was at the tail end of his career. And then we got Rick Nash uh, drafted him. And um, I don't know, just being, being in the coach's room and hearing them just chime in on their opinion on a game or practice and, how sometimes how casual they were obviously because when I was in there it wasn't all it wasn't business but um it was pretty cool just to hear the hockey talk and hear their opinions on players or even if it was just like a negative opinion you'd kind of listen and be like if they think that guy's bad then I got no shot because these guys are pretty good (laughs) these guys are pretty good in the NHL and if they're being critical to some of these guys then a lot of us have no chance well I think in that last Rangers game in Chicago uh chatting with one of the Rangers guys after you and him were jawing at each other a little bit during the game. And then he kind of felt like, oh, wait, his dad's right behind me. Like, maybe I need to dial this back a little bit. Um, and I thought that was those, pretty funny. Those are always the guys that will like, will, will make up something, like try to chirp my dad to me to get under my skin of something they just make up. But those, that's, <laughs> those are the funny times. Yeah, I can remember that in that game. It was just like... Yeah, it, it's always it's got to be weird for, for especially if you're a D man and you don't want to like I don't know you don't want to maybe tick off your own coach or something and say <laughs> something that might get him fired up maybe, but I don't think my dad would care. I think he loves that stuff anyway. Who's one of the best chirpers on the team? You think Connor or one of the best around the league that you've heard go? Yeah, our team. I mean, Max is probably the loudest. Domes will Domes will probably <laughs> chirp the most. So. Maybe I, I can hear Staylock too sometimes. Back oh there. yeah, that's true. He hasn't been, <laughs> yeah, that's true because he's been hurt a lot, so we've missed him. He's just like witty. He's witty, and but like he and it's it's hard for us to hear chirping because he'll he'll chirp during the game. Like I don't know if it was against Columbus when 
it was like the scrum in the corner and then he's trying to jaw at Olivier, their tough guy. <laughs> um, so it's funny. Yeah. He, he's definitely witty. There's, I don't know about other guys around the league. If I would say there's someone that's been like the most, uh, I would say the best at, I think, I feel like Marshan's probably the one guy that everyone says is consistent with it. And it feels like all the years he's been playing, he stays up with it. <laughs> So, Connor, hockey is is the family business. Of course, your dad had a long NHL career as a player and now as a coach. If you weren't playing hockey, what would your dream job be? Mm, yeah, I don't know if I'd have a dream job other than that, just because it's always it's always been been hockey. Honestly, I can't give you an answer to that. It wouldn't be. I don't know if it would be a dream job because it's always always been on hockey my whole life. So, I probably would have just gone to college and tried to figure it out get an internship somewhere and, and get some coffee, get some start make some starbucks runs for some some big dogs and then try to try to get a job i guess where would you where would you have wanted to go to college if you were i mean you went to major junior um so you took a little bit of a different route than a lot of guys from the ntdp would take yeah. so did you have your eye on any schools yeah i was committed to miami of ohio um to go there and then um, I had a lot of injuries leading up to it. So going into the comp draft combine teams are talking to me about maybe better option to go to major junior to try to speed my development, get more games in since I'd missed so much time with some back injuries I had at that time. Um, so that was, that was a big reason, but yeah, Miami of Ohio being close to, to Columbus and knowing a lot of people, my brother ended up going there. Um, so that would have been a, a great school to go to. Can you see yourself being a coach someday like hmm. your dad? I don't know. I, I, I like coaching. I just, uh, I just don't know if I'd be able to handle that. <laughs> the coaches have a tough schedule and, um, they don't get any time off in season. Even our off days, they're grinding away at video prepping for each team and game and, um, and having to travel around and the way it is with the league. Now I feel like coaches get fired so often and have to relocate. And as you get older, having to move your families around, it sounds like that would be tough. So, um, I have a lot of respect for coaches for doing that. Um, so I don't know if I'd be able to be able to handle that part of it. I'm not sure what Christina's background is, Connor, but how does she like the hockey schedule? And I know you guys have gone to some fun concerts over the summer and you certainly make the most of the off season together, but I guess what is, um, what does she think of the schedule and kind of the road life? Yeah, uh, I think it's been okay so far. We've, We've, we've had a pretty good schedule where our road trips haven't been too long. Um, and I think it's nice that it's her hometown. So she has friends and family here. Uh, I think it would be tougher for her in a different city. And like a lot of wives and girlfriends of the team who live here, uh, you don't have that connection and that getaway that when you're here alone, when we're all on the road. So um, I think that that part's been uh, been okay so far. And um, it's we get long summers, so I can't complain about getting a lot of time together then. Does she have a hockey background? I know, like, <laughs> my husband, like, liked that I did not have a football background. So whenever yeah. it was the end of a game or something, we didn't talk about football at all. But is that the same for you and Christina? Or how does that usually work? Yeah, that's actually the same. Uh, she doesn't have – it's funny, right when you said does she have a hockey background, I picture every time it comes to mind, she played floor hockey in middle <laughs> school or elementary school, and she was the only girl on the team, and she had these big goggles. And, like, it, it was just – We need I, a picture. So that, yeah, that picture for sure. comes to my mind when you ask of her background that came to my mind. But, no, she doesn't – she doesn't have a hockey background. I would – I think I would rather that of her not be too into it. But she's actually getting – obviously, naturally getting more into it now and understanding. And uh, it's funny how people, whether they know the game or not, I feel like if you watch one person like her watching me more of the time, she can tell if you have a good or bad game based on, like – 
body language or whether you looked like you were I don't know, skating much in that game or getting shots or something. She, it's funny. They have the different way of judging, but she's, she's, she's learning and getting better at analyzing it. Well, that's why it's good to have a dog because you can always yeah. come home to that <laughs> wagging tail, no matter how many goals for goals against what the plus minus was. Yeah. None of that matters when you, <laughs> when you walk in the door and you got that fluffy friend at home. So, yeah. Uh, always a pleasure. We, yeah, we can't wait we can't to see what uh, what he looks like in his tux, though, Connor. It's going to yeah, be know, a great, great photo op. <laughs> be a big one. It might just go straight for a bow tie. I don't know if he's going to fit in a tux. A lot of hair. A lot of hair to man. <laughs> I'm sure it'll make the paper. Whatever he is in, I'm sure <laughs> yeah. it'll make the paper. It'll so. make Instagram somehow. <laughs> yeah. Connor, now that you've gotten to know the city of Chicago a little bit, when you have visitors come in, and we understand you've got visitors in town this week, where do you like to take them? What are some things that you like to do around town? Uh, I usually like to go to a nice dinner, um, take them and show them a little bit of, that's one of my favorite parts of Chicago is all the restaurants and uh, we're good at eating. We get a lot of, a lot of meals in, uh, in season. I feel like all we do is sleep and eat. So I like to go uh, check out restaurants. Usually try to find a spot um, like Gibson's Italia has been a, a go-to because I just like to, when people come to visit, get to get a view of the river and then have a nice ambiance. So uh, that's one of the spots. And then um, I live uh, in like Old Town Lincoln Park area. So um, sometimes I like to go for walks and show them the neighborhood. And we have a second city comedy club around here. So that's fun to hit up sometimes. And yeah, there's always something going on in the city. Uh, like Haley mentioned, all the summer concerts and festivals. And then now in the winter, it feels like there's different plays and different. We, we did the ribbon uh, one night, skated the ribbon and Maggie Daly. Um, so there's always something going on festive, I feel like, to get into. Love that. Well, Connor, you've been uh, really generous with your time doing this on an off day. We really appreciate it. And we'll let you get to your guests that you have in town. And, and uh, it, it's been speaking uh, personally and, and on behalf of Colby and Kaylee as well. It's been a pleasure covering you since the three of us have been a part of the organization and uh, you, you wear a letter on your sweater for a reason. And, and uh, thanks for your time and, and for being uh, just great to work with. We really appreciate it. That's nice to you, Chris. Yeah. It's been awesome having you guys around. It's been fun, fun so far. Not, not enough wins as we'd liked, but uh, it's awesome having good people around the organization every day. Good luck with wedding prep. Um, any updates, please update Kaylee accordingly. <laughs> and uh... I don't, I'm the designated planner. <laughs> I'll take it though. <laughs> Kaylee, get, Kaylee gives me all the advice on what we're supposed to do when we have our first child too. So I'm leaning on her for all sorts of different stuff. Yeah. Marv, so, so you're not alone. I have lots Thanks, of word Con docs ready for you guys. So love it. Love it. <laughs> Thanks Connor. Happy new year. Appreciate Happy it. Happy new year guys. Thanks again. Yeah. yeah. Thanks Connor. Happy new year. That was a fabulous interview with Connor. Uh, again, I, I totally meant what I said that, He's a pleasure to cover professionally, just a, a great guy in the locker room, very honest, easy to talk to, and again, a, a good guy on and off the ice. So happy to have him on our side, if you will. Let's get into Sellies and Chirps, where the three of us each bring a discussion topic to the group and ask the others to celebrate it or chirp it. I'll go first. In the Blackhawks' last game against the San Jose Sharks on New Year's Day, the wave broke out inside the United <laughs> Center. It was the first time I had ever seen that. And again, I, I'm still new on the scene, so I didn't know. Maybe I had missed it. Maybe it was uh, 
a longstanding tradition at the United Center for Blackhawks games that I didn't know about. I typically associate the wave with baseball games or at least outdoor sporting events. So I was caught off guard when I saw the wave break out. And, uh, you know, we can get into this too. There was a surprising amount of reaction on social media when we announced that the wave had broken out. So let me ask, let me ask the two of you, are we celebrating or chirping the wave at sporting events? I'm celebrating, and my uh, play-by-play partner in the building, I think he was so excited and caught off guard. I noticed his arms just, like, went up when it went by us, so (laughs) I know he was into it. Um, I like the wave. I thought it was great. They brought it up for New Year's. It's very rare you get to see it, and I was dying in the seat. It was very exciting for both John Wideman and I. There's footage somewhere of Johnny Wideman doing the wave. What what an absolute treasure. John Wideman is and and it was. we were into it I, I look I have no problem with the wave because if people if we have a full building in Chicago which we did for the game uh last night people are having a good time and, and people are up on their feet I had no problem with that I mean I'll I, I can't say that I'm jumping at the forefront to be a part of the wave or to start <laughs> a wave but you know what People are coming out to the United Center. Our fans are incredibly loyal here. Um, you know, I grew up in, in Philadelphia where people get angry and don't come so <laughs> and throw things at Santa Claus. So, I mean, I, I, I thought it was good to see people smiling and having a good time at the UC last night. Um, you know, and, and obviously around the holidays, we, we have more people around and in town and lots of families uh, in, in the in attendance, I know I left a bunch of tickets for some friends of mine, and they came with like their seven cousins and nieces and nephews and stuff. So, I, I'm not I'm not really going hard on either side of this one, Chris. I know I'm usually a pretty opinionated person, but um, I kind of just think if if it makes people happy, then then why not? Well, I was shocked. Uh, my broadcast partner on that game, Troy Murray is anti-wave. I mean, not a fan. He was disparaging it. He was displeased. Um, I was I was really surprised at that. So the opposite to uh, your broadcast partner in that game, Kaylee, radio announcer John Wideman. Troy Murray, not a fan of the wave. So the things you learn while doing a, a Blackhawks broadcast. Look, I, I went to the University of Wisconsin where the wave at Camp Randall Stadium, where the football team plays, is as methodical as I've ever witnessed. I mean, they will get two waves going simultaneously. They'll send the wave around the stadium in one direction, then reverse it. They'll do the wave in fast motion and slow motion. So by those standards, the wave last night was, it it was more like a ripple, uh, less than a wave. (laughs) And I think we should clarify that we are talking about the game on January the 1st. Um, New Year's Day. We, we, New Year's Day. We, we should clarify that because we are recording here Monday, January 2nd. So just to throw that out there. That was clarified and, and mentioned right off the top, but thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as was the ripple. <laughs> as, yes, as was the ripple. I think the, I think the knock against um, the wave now is that it's a little bit stale, uh, maybe a little bit overdone. So uh, while I guess I, I think maybe it's time to, to call for a hiatus on the wave, I still think it, it has value in American sports culture 
And uh, again, to Colby's point, I thought I thought Colby brought up a great point that um, you know it, it's it's people having fun, have, having a good time, and they shouldn't be uh, again disparaged for that. So the wave making a surprise appearance at the United Center. We'll see the next time it, it uh, turns up. Well, if they ever do a 30 for 30, Chris, I think you should be interviewed on the history and the future of the wave, the ripple, and yes. all it's, the good it's, times. It's my dissertation. <laughs> You've been you. a part of some pretty good waves at Camp Randall, so <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll leave you to be the expert there. My cellular chirp is uh, New Year's resolution, so very cliche, but I'm chirping it. I used to be a big fan of them this year. Totally quit cold turkey on it. I don't feel like I make myself better at all the next day after and it's it's more so I'm going for the long-term sustainability what happens between oh no I'm thinking of like diets right now my bad I, I had a good <laughs> I read well, something most interesting people, most people do diets for a new year's resolution <laughs> they right? do do diets I usually do working out every day but I worked out so hard in Columbus that I couldn't walk the next two days so I threw that in the garbage I'm gonna say no go I'm chirping new year's resolutions what do you think Colby Again, I, I think that uh, a lot of New Year's resolutions, I think, are kind of, uh, you know, hit or miss, to, to put it in a nice way. I feel like people just feel like they need to have a New Year's resolution. So I think that, look, if you're somebody that likes to set goals for yourself, um, then sure, why not? But, uh, you know, me personally, I'm generally not a New Year's resolution person. Like, I always want to do more, you know, workout and, and be more committed to, to being healthy like year round. And I go in phases. So, you know, there'll be a, a couple of weeks where I'm being a little bit lazy and I'll be like, okay, like knock it off. And that might be in June or that might be. So I, I'm not, I'm not a big buyer on it either. Kaylee. I'm, I'm kind of like, whatever you got to do for you is, is what should work. Yeah, I'm going to chirp New Year's resolutions as well. Uh, not that I think it, you know, I, I think it's good to take stock periodically, you know, at least once a year, uh, you know, do personal check-ins, kind of assess where you're at, self-performance reviews, and maybe identify some things that you want to improve or better about yourself. But why wait until January 1st? Um, That's what I was trying to say. (laughs) You said it more eloquently. We're all on the same page with this one. Yes, I like it. That's my take on that. So again, you know, resolutions, sure, I'm celebrating resolutions, but how about a how about a resolution on June 29th instead of uh, waiting all the way until January 1st? That's where I stand on that. Well, Chris, I'll make sure to ask you next week what your mid-January resolution is since they can just be year-round now. But my cellular chirp really has to do with something that's taking place as we're recording this episode and on the 2nd of January, and, and, and that's outdoor hockey games. Uh, the Winter Classic is going on right now. The Bruins and the Penguins are playing. Uh, The game is in the third period right now. Pittsburgh is winning. And I thought it was interesting that Gary Bettman was doing his sort of media rounds and mentioned that this is the 36th outdoor game that the NHL has put on since the original outdoor game um, that took place at, uh, was it Buffalo Football Stadium between the Penguins and the Buffalo Sabres, we all remember 2010, Crosby, snowing, shootout, victory. Really couldn't have scripted it any better as I'm talking about it. Boston just scored, and it's 1-1. Um, but 
I think a lot of people are starting to get a, like uh, almost like annoyed with the outdoor games, and they think, oh, there's just too many. It's not that cool. Um, but then you ask players about it, and they love it, and they think it's cool, um, you know, because it sort of breaks up the regular season. It gives you this marquee event. Uh, I've been fortunate. I got to play at Fenway. We played BUBC a couple of days after uh, the, the Winter Classic in 2010 in the sold-out stadium at Fenway. It was probably one of the coolest experiences of my entire life. And then I've got to do radio for a number of Winter Classics over the last five or six years. I personally love the outdoor games. I think having two or three a year is great. As long as these stadiums are filling up 70 and 80,000 or 50 to 80,000, I think revenues are amazing for the NHL. Those are are big numbers. So I think it helps grow the game. You pull in a national audience. Um, I'm, I'm celebrating outdoor hockey. I love it. Kaylee, you, you grew up around this game your whole life. I know your dad played in a winter classic. I think when he was on, was it Detroit? Was it the Detroit one that he played in? Wrigleyville, um, so, Detroit Blackhawks. Yes. So you, you've probably got to experience these in all different manners. Um, so I'd be interested really to hear your thought first. Yeah, celebrate it. I've been to a lot. We skated out. I mean, I think, Chris, I don't know how much hockey you played growing up, but I think playing outside on the pond or with all the kids on New Year's Day for whose ever parent built an outdoor rink in their backyard or somewhere was always a nostalgic memory so I'm all about it celebrating the outdoor games I don't think there's too many but maybe more teams that don't typically get into them it'd be nice to see more teams in in cool places um you know pick up an outdoor game so I love it it's it's not the best quality but that's not the point and it doesn't matter there's a whole lot of games in the season this one definitely takes the cake as far as the presentation the outfits the social aspect of it and just the cool the beanies fans. and everything, the fans that come out of it. It's, it's a great time. I love it. I, I, I love outdoor hockey. I, I think it's great. One of the major career stepping stones that uh, took place for me in, in route to getting this job with the Blackhawks was covering Hockey Day Minnesota, which is a, a day-long outdoor hockey event. Uh, the Minnesota Wild are part of Hockey Day Minnesota, but they do play indoors at their at their usual rink, the Excel Energy Center. Um, but it was outdoor hockey at the high school and collegiate level. It was a ton of fun. It, it gets to kind of, as Kaylee mentioned, the when we were kids aspect of the game, a very, very nostalgic feel to it. And the Blackhawks were, were just on the road playing the Carolina Hurricanes and they're hosting the stadium series in Raleigh later in February, and they've already sold out North Carolina State's football stadium for that game, and, and people are already buzzing about it uh, around the rink in, in Carolina. So it definitely, I think, brings people in both on television and in person, and I, I'm all for continuing to do it. Um, the one thing I will just say, though, is that I think it's funny how hockey you know, is typically played indoors, and they're trying to create these events to get the game played outdoors. And football is a sport that traditionally is, of course, played outdoors. And the Bears want to build an indoor stadium. So it, it's kind of like, well, we, we all want what we don't have. Well, I was just going to say, you, you find out that the grass is or is not always greener on the other side. But I, I love that, that, that they're doing one in Carolina. I think, Kaylee, that hits on what you're talking about. It's a little bit of a less traditional place to put a game. Bettman said today um, 
the commissioner that they were looking at potentially putting one down in Florida. I mean, the technology gets better and better for these outdoor rinks and the ability to make ice. The game in Lake Tahoe is really cool. I know that they had some issues with sunlight, um, which, which, which kind of cut up the ice a little bit. That's what they did during COVID in front of no fans. But I just think that like it breaks up an 82 game season and it gives you something to look forward to. Sometimes like HBO or Showtime gets involved with like a 24 seven type of documentary. It's, it's a great event. It it just, I I think that, um, you know, I know I didn't play in the NHL one, but I did a college one and an AHL one. And it was, it was the highlight of our season. It, It really was. And, and, I hope the NHL continues to do it. Uh, I know they talked about maybe even having one in Europe at some point. Um, those were all things Gary Bettman discussed today on on his his media rounds between TNT and NHL Network. So I'm glad we're all on the same page. Kaylee, one final thing. Chris meant you asked Chris if he grew up playing hockey. Well, I recently got to go on the ice with Chris during the holiday party. Um, I know you already <laughs> come off the ice with your kids and, and I was out there with Nola Steinmiller and Chris and his fiance were out there. Uh, his fiance, very, very strong skater, very strong <laughs> skater. Chris was not bad. He, he was, he was not, he was not bad. He got his way around the ice. He didn't fall. He didn't look like, uh, uh, Bambi out there. So, uh, you know, I, I think he's a work in progress on the ice, Kaylee, but not as bad as I would have hoped because it would have then given me good material. <laughs> Chris, how would you characterize yourself as a player? What line? Like, what's your, what are your attributes? <laughs> uh, That's a I good mean, question. I, I, I put like you that. on the spot right there. <laughs> I like this center, question, Kaylee. Let's go down this bench. path. Center bench. <laughs> e-bug. Not even. I not like that. E-bug. e-bug. Everybody needs e-bug. an e-bug. I like the e-bug, e-bug. Chris. E-bug. I'm the e-bug, e-bug. Yeah, I, I, I you know, we'll put you look, on the I, list for that, Chris. It was, it was pretty brutal. I mean, I, yeah, I didn't fall, no, but I, I was. You I weren't was like that bad. I would, I would, I would be sure to give you a hard time if you were that bad, but you were not as bad as I'd hoped. Well, you probably fun. aren't as bad as Colby and I at game shows, so we can all get better in the new year together at new things. <laughs> And that is a New Year's resolution. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> no, uh, it, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was great to get out there. I had been uh, meaning to put on some skates, lace them up again for a while. And, and I certainly, uh, now that I've done it again for the first time in a while, I, I'd, uh, I'd like to do it again. I, and again, I just, I, I walked, hobbled uh, away from the experience in total awe and admiration of you know, not just people who can skate well, but especially at the NHL level. I mean, those guys move so fast and the control that they have and the balance and coordination, uh, you know, they make it look so easy, which is the mark of a true professional. So um, very humbling and, and uh, but, uh, but I really enjoyed it. I liked the Stalock boys uh, mullets the best on the ice. Alex and his son had matching mullets at the holiday party. <laughs> How adorable is that? Matching, matching mullets. I'll like let you wrap us up now, Chris, but I had to end on the mullet because I had to give it a little cred. I mean, we should we should give a shout-out to mullets, I think, on every episode <laughs> going forward. What a perfect way to end it. Kaylee, thank you. <laughs> You're so welcome. This has uh, been another great episode of the Blackhawks Insider Podcast. We, as always, need to shout-out Brad Dollar and Southside Jake for the music you heard on the show today. Trevor Bray and Jenna Rose, our producers, 
behind the scenes. We will be back next week for another episode of Blackhawks Insider Podcast. Until then, for Colby Cohen and Kaylee Chelios, I'm Chris Fosters. Make your New Year's resolutions. We'll talk to you next time.